from the home offices of Ash and Flow. This is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around to listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. Well, welcome to this new episode of the Unbuild House podcast, everybody. I have guests, plural, with me today. Ash will join us in a little bit. He's still being held up in an internal meeting. But already here are Carl Feldman, a senior partner at Hinge Marketing, and his colleague Austin McNair. Austin, you're a senior marketing manager, right, with the firm. Yeah. Uh, welcome to both of you. And I'm very glad to have you on because you happen to pen an article a while ago that caught our attention here. Very timely, you wrote about the pretenders are coming, how ChatGPT will transform professional services marketing. Excellent piece, which I'll put in the show notes so people can check it out. And very timely because I think ChatGPT just hit the mainstream, right? Past week, I didn't pay super close attention and I haven't played with it yet, but it's out now. So that just fit the bill because Ash and I, as I said, wanted to discuss ChatGPT a little bit. So, Carl, Austin, can, can I ask you to introduce Hinge and yourselves a little bit and then maybe summarize the points you made in the article? Absolutely. And thank you for having us. Yeah, the basic gist is, you know, Hinge marketing, we're marketing, branding, research. And so this, this kind of developments are just right, right in our crosshairs. Yeah. Uh, my my personal background actually got started in tech, went to school for computer science. So this is right up my alley. It's been a yeah. an area that we've been exploring and uh, you know, putting to practical use before the kind of tipping point has been reached with this generative AI and you know kind of the access that comes along with it that has become like this big headline. But the basic gist is, you know, we believe that people will just accelerate putting, you know, putting generative AI like ChatGPT, tools like this, it's going to accelerate teams putting this to work in areas like content. I think those will yeah. be some of the early, the early uses of it. You already just see just a wave of different teams, either white labeling some of these tools or applying it in things as mm -hmm. a, you know, just a magic silver bullet to content. But our point was, you know, this is just going to increase a massive sea of beige, static beige yeah. content that it's, it's all kind of like an echo chamber repeating itself and it will sound good. But I think over time, both the machines that are organizing searches and people themselves will become very desensitized to that. So the big point of the article was you've got to put your humans in the loop to really good use. And now more than ever is a time to differentiate your strategy, stand out from, you know, it, there's going to be changes. We always keep an eye on a lot of these platforms and technologies. What are they incentivized to do? And I think even you look at ChatGPT 3 versus 4, you can see how quickly a lot of the training models got obscured so that just actually increases from when we posted, mm -hmm. it increases some of the risks and constraints of using tools like this. Well, it's going to be a bit of cat and mouse, we think. Yeah. Now, I was reading as I was nodding a lot of times. So all because Ash and I had similar ideas, but then, of course, we didn't have the insight you guys over at Hinge have as a firm that I think for a long time, right, not only 
does marketing in the space, but also researches both the professional services firms themselves and the buyers themselves. So, and I recommend really people check out the article because you have some data points around where to go from here. But we were wondering for that particular reason, given that you have such a, your finger on the pulse of this industry, how much of what you've been describing is already out there in practice? I mean, my LinkedIn certainly is full of posts. It's the most prolific content categories posting about ChatGPT on LinkedIn. I've resisted the urge so far, but there's a ton of that stuff. But I have to say among the dozens or so firms I work with, it's not as prevalent yet, but I'm, I'm so I was just wondering what your take is. Is like, is it already like here or is that, is the onslaught still in? in oh, no. it, it's great perspective flow. And actually, since you reached out to us, I was actually in Utah visiting with Qualtrics. That's a yeah. collection, lots of B2B, lots of B2C. Hmm. And, you know, we focus primarily on professional services. We do work with SaaS that also, you know, yeah. focuses on professional services. So that's a kind of unique perspective. But just overall, I think you're spot on when you say, you know, you see the wave of it, but not as much adoption. I think in professional services, just overall, MarTech adoption and maturity trail B and B2C consider that. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there are a lot of good reasons for that. But, you know, in practice, I think we do see and have seen over the last you know, five to 10 years, even the most innovative and in some cases, the large firms in our space have put similar technologies to use in applied technology. So think like large engineering firms and MEP, mechanical, electrical, mm. plumbing infrastructure, where they're using generative AI to do things that used to take, you know, weeks of level of effort to a machine can snap out some very good, take thousands of iterations, whittle that down to, you know, a handful. And then the human in the loop says, you know, this nuance, we can adjust this, we can adjust that. And you get to a place that is much higher value, very cost effective, and doesn't run the risks of, you know, personal identifiable yeah. information. It's a good application. I think when you get into content and we get into this, you know, it's a little different construct. But yeah. that's kind of the gist of what we've seen in professional services is it's so advanced in some ways. But when we talk about content or, mm. you know, how you promote yourselves or, you know, how you leverage these things in an external communication context, it's quite slow to adopt. Which which is interesting because you could totally see the extreme potential for it because the, as you all know, right, the expertise, the actual content, the actual thinking that goes into the marketing collateral has to come yeah. from the, has to come from the professionals who are the exactly. experts, who are the exactly. guys who don't have time, right? Because they have right. to hit utilization targets, billable hours and so forth. So to, kidding them out with tools like ChatGPT could solve several issues. But then again, back to your article, there's always the risk of that leading to a flood of what Ash and I have dubbed thought followership as opposed to thought leadership, right? Where you just regurgitate <laughs> stuff yeah. that the machine gives you in the first 10 minutes. But still, I mean, because it's such a compelling thing, did you see any scenarios where firms might use this to their benefits? Or I wrote in my notes, maybe even flip the risk into an advantage. Is there a scenario you can see happening there? Yes, I think no question. I think it has... It should be explored as a potential. It's just understanding the nature of the technology, having the right folks in play uh, to really access that. 
that mm. can leverage it. You know, it's interesting. You're, you're using the constraints and risks. It's similar in something that we've put into practice, even when we're researching things like search engine optimization, you know, using these types of tools to identify what are the most common strategies, yeah. what they look like so that you can differentiate and stand out. There's lots of different levels to that, but it's a very helpful tool that way. And you're not dealing with anything that's not already public yeah. in that sense. I do think that, you know, you have to be really careful about some of the echo chamber and some of the security security considerations. But I think it's a point where working with these AI tools is going to become the norm, but navigating to get there is going to take some time, you know, where the guardrails are. Well, Ash and I channeled our inner Luddites a few episodes back and we programmed an episode by asking JetGBT to give us some points. Ash, I forget what it was about, actually. No, actually, but before that flow, we did, I mean, I did try the whole ChatGPT to create like a meal plan entirely. Oh, yeah, uh, that like was, seven yeah. days. We tested that out. Like, like well, the that was ingredients, using recipes. I mean, it's really good to like schedule things like that. You can literally, of course, it's 2021 data, but it gave a pretty accurate estimate of what your budget would be for a week even. So there's, yeah. there's a lot of yeah. use for it. it yeah. You know, it's a great, it's like a devil's advocate. I mean, it also actually sent us, uh, you know, there's like a Twitter thread of like the AI entrepreneur, like, yeah, here's a hundred dollars, go make me a couple million. And yeah. you know, there's a lot of, it is, it's more like a librarian than just a, you know, index card system. Yeah. So we'll give you food for thought, but uh, you know, you, you do have that human in the loop to make the best use but, of it. But with the podcast episode, Ash, like the meal plan was impressive. The the listicle I, thing it gave us for content points for the podcast, they were super generic, right? Uh, yeah. To your guys' points about the risks. So we created an episode, right? Turning the risk into an advantage. So we created the episode by correcting the list and sort of discussing where, what is missing? Where doesn't this go far mm -hmm. enough? Why just does it only scratch the surface? So that was an interesting attempt at maybe utilizing the weaknesses of the system to get to something interesting more quickly. I don't know. But so, uh, your main so, recommendation... Uh, yeah, sorry, Ash, go ahead. I just had a question because, because I'll be honest, I haven't read through the entire questions here yet, but we're running out of data is an interesting thing, especially with professional services firms. So in terms of input for, you know, chat GPT or any of the GPTs, basically, is that... And you were the data models because they pr predicted that to happen in 2026 now. And then they had to create artificial personas that feed into this. How is that going to affect us here in professional services? Because a lot of what we do is basically thought leadership. So if you have yeah, personas right. creating thought leadership that are artificial, that just, you know, go on this whole cyclical loop. And of course, the reason I bring up thought leadership is because it takes lots of research and everything. 2026 is not far. Whatever research we're doing for 2026 would be done like in the next year and a half, two years. Well, I think the domain of the humans, you know, th this is, have you seen that movie Terminator? It's like, this is how oh, Skynet yes. starts, right? You know, if you, if you think about it, whether, whatever the, wherever the data is coming from, the domain of the humans in the loop, it's one of emotion, connection, relevancy, and perspective. You know, often, even with the best background and data and expertise, without that connect, it's meaningless. You fall into the sea of beige. 
I do think there's a big opportunity, you know, in the especially now in the kind of wild west days of accessibility is this is a big buzzword and we're getting all this momentum around it. For those that really understand the information supply chain, where the sources are coming from, what's feeding it, how you're using this, it's an opportunity to really stand out because it's, and that yeah. was the point of this article is that yeah. it's going to have a kind of homogenizing effect where a lot of mm -hmm. the things will be the same. We've seen it, you know, even before this is really being applied, although we think it was being applied in little places, syndicated content. That's not yeah. a new thing, mm -hmm. but it's the same kinds of risks. It's just amplified, amplified in scale. And I think you had even beyond the syndicated model, you had business models out there with blogging agencies and so forth, right? Who would yeah. write just farms in right. the tech spice pieces, right? They were original, but you could tell they have a huge machine going. They're probably servicing 50 clients with similar needs, right? For similar pieces. So we already had this, yeah, the beige, <laughs> the seeds of beige. They were already sort of on the rise a little bit. Yeah, the chat GPT engines or similar tools just throw massive fuel on that fire. But I mean, maybe look into the main recommendation of our piece, your piece a little bit, right? You obviously say, well, ramp up investment in your original thinking. And you mentioned research earlier, right? And you mentioned uh, maybe even IP development, these things, right? Essentially classic consulting skills, if you will, right? It's a core discipline. But uh, Ash and I, we have the privilege of speaking with both very large and mid-sized or smaller firms. And what we can see there is the large houses have six or seven figure budgets for research programs. The smaller firms often not so much, right? They often struggle right. with, and probably yeah. I'm guessing Hinge experiences this a lot as well. Not everybody can stand up programs like those you have. Do you have, do you recommend push for investments in thinking, pushing for originality. Do you have any tips for making the case or for making that argument inside maybe those smaller firms? Because that's what it comes down to, right? People have to get budget and allocate it into right. these things. Whereas I'm guessing the temptation is, oh, just have the chatbot whip up 10 articles. Who cares if they're bad? I'm exaggerating, mm -hmm. right? Yep. It, you know, if you think about it, you know, it is the positives or is that this kind of technology is it, getting more democratized, it's more accessible, yeah. those types of things. And the same thing applies to research. I mean, I'll share openly part of Hinge's success and our business model is basically democratizing some of the strategies and techniques and technologies that have only been accessible to the large firms or B2B mm. or B2C and bring that in a way that professional services firms mid-size down to a certain level the small can afford understand work with help to develop their teams and you know part of our you know lifetime value that we provide or staying hooked in with clients and colleagues over time is that we're there at those points of growth it's that's a lot of training and building and all of that but in-house I think one of the most important things that teams can do is consider what are the stakeholders that are having the conversation in the mm. first place, especially when you start to consider using, and there will be not just the temptation, but probably good use cases to use tools like this. You have to make sure you've got the right players within your organization. So whoever's wearing the technology hat, 
you know, your CIO, whoever is managing legal, whoever is managing business development, marketing, communication, and growth overall, those players have to work together because, you know, things like personal identifiable information or what you might be feeding the systems, you know, your VP of business development is not going to be as sensitive mm. the identifiable information as, you know, your CIO might. But and having those perspectives is important to strike the right balance. I think in terms of how do you justify the cost of having that original conversation, the original thought leadership, not mm. following, it really comes back to measuring. I think you know, measuring, setting out what success looks like, being disciplined about measuring what those harder techniques actually yield versus the easier. Look, that's often the proof in the pudding. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, we don't recommend those strategies just because we like them or, you know, what have you. They, it, mm. they are correct. They should be outperforming yeah. um, the kind of easy and, you know, silver bullet path. Yes. Which I think part of that letter a bit there is also in your title, which was the pretenders are coming, right? I think that connotates this idea that there's no competitive differentiation to be found in the mass production of content anymore. I think there was a point in time where if you could sort of outpace people, have more blog posts out, That's higher right. frequency, more LinkedIn posts per week, you could win by crushing that. Not anymore, I think. So, and then by inversing that, if differentiation is the objective, and I like your answer of define what success looks like, you got to come up with something else. That is probably the, the original take here, as you recommend it. And just going what you said, Carl, maybe the whole thing is a marketing issue on one front because it's not really intelligent. It's artificial efficiency, not artificial right. intelligence. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, it, oh, it, nice. It's raw horsepower. I mean, it really, if you think of promise and also the thing to watch out for is it's a force multiplier. If there's no yeah. original force to multiply, or you're not being intentional about these things and not having the quality, nice. it's going to be a wasted yeah. effort. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, but it does help with scaling for small people. So maybe Absolutely. like, that's what I said, like maybe the trick is marketing it as an efficiency tool or yeah. an intelligence tool. That's right. Yeah. Our, you know, our point of view is don't ignore this. Don't not use it. Use yeah. it intentionally and, yeah. you know, know what you're getting into before you do. But it, it is actually absolutely a game changer. Not, you know, there are some new aspects to it, but primarily mm -hmm. in accessibility. Just the, yeah. the genie's out. So maybe in closing then, or sorry, the second to last question I had was, have you, are you playing with, like, you don't have to share the trade secrets, the secrets of <laughs> it. Are you guys exploring, are using it not for content creation as much as because you mentioned force multiplying, but maybe automating steps in the processes that come with, you know, taking the thinking, packaging it, publishing it, these types of things, because I think these tools can play a role there as well. I mean, probably all of us have already fed it a transcript to get some meeting minutes or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like these types of things, are you playing with those? Do any insights around that? Yeah, that, I, that was not as heavily featured, if I remember, in the article. Right? No, I that's just that's the next. It. That's yeah. the next post in the series. Oh, and all right, okay, good. <laughs> we are actually, you know, we're very transparent about how we use it, and that yeah. in itself, we think, <clears throat> is an opportunity for firms to <clears throat> think about. That can be a differentiator if you truly do understand your information supply chain, where you're using it, how you are controlling security, those types of. things, That's going to be different than most. You know, especially yeah. in the next, you know, five, maybe 10 years, 
being very direct about that. We have used it primarily in research, you know, so looking at, you know, certainly with a human in the loop, but scoring or quantifying large data sets, mm -hmm. that can be a great starting place when the right controls are in place. Thinking about coding is a very good yeah. application for it. Platform engineering, that's a, just like the, the engineering example I gave earlier with our client base, we use that ourselves. Yeah. Um, and also as a kind of virtual devil's advocate, you know, when we're looking at what is, if you can understand the beige, it gives you an advantage to stand out. <laughs> so I, true. we're hoping yeah. whether it's SEO strategies or looking at the content, that's a very valuable use. But I think we're going to see more of that develop. Yeah. Yeah. I got to call that out, by the way, because I've seen that more than once people playing with this in the SEO space, which I'm not an expert in at all. But then if, whenever I see that, it's time to remind people that, hey, this thing ends in 2021 and it doesn't do web lookup, right? So <laughs> right, uh, right. handle with care. Anyways, yeah, uh, yes. and we're almost up to time. So my last question was, but I think you already sort of implied the things that are going on, right? How this might affect Hinge's business or the, in a broader sense, the agencies, the consultants who support the marketing functions in these firms. I think the same principles apply, right? Just to, just to check. And uh, I think the recommendation then probably also, right? Do use it, but with intention. And I like your point about being transparent where you put it to use, because I think that also facilitates joint learnings, right? Between you and the clients and people can figure out. And I, I would say I'd add to that, shorten a loop of understanding because it's going to yeah. evolve quickly. But, you know, when I started out with that, that recognition that these models and the training models in particular, that they will be obscured at different paths to protect competitive models to help that that's what these developers are incentivized for. Yeah. That's going to make it harder to understand what it's actually doing. So the keeping a very tight look as this evolves quickly and gets into the wild and applications evolve, yeah. keeping a very short turn on understanding the implications, that's going to be important. You know, if our insights today will be different next year for sure. Yeah. And users be advised, of course, you are contributing to training the algorithm with your inputs, right? So don't yeah, give the machine all your best. Uh, or detraining. I, I mean, it's information. You can always, like, you know, if you want to be the devil, you can put information that gives it a desired negative output. But that oh, just requires yeah. you to be, you know, well, a little bit. I don't AI know about, enough about the probabilistic models, but I'm guessing you'd have to give like a ton of. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. I, well, I, I, you don't. Yeah. Check out with GPT. Like it only yeah. validates the first set of questions. After that, you can break it a little bit to like try different types. Because hey, yeah. I've been messing around it. With I see you have I, played more with it than I have. Okay. Yeah, my, my hunch is that's going to be the next generation's form of graffiti is how they can drop the AIs and oh. do naughty things. And still the ghost in the machine. All right. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Carl, this is excellent. Thanks for this. Yeah. Thanks for writing the article. Very compelling stuff. Do let us know when you have the next one out about the operational use. Ash and I came across some documentation for how to use it in a workflow where you can have it edit your podcast transcript and then create LinkedIn posts from that. So I'll maybe... If I'm not too lazy, try that, but uh, let's see. So <laughs> before we let you go, where can people find some more Hinge content, yeah. more about Carl Feldman if they want to? What, do you have some pointers we need to put in the show notes? Yeah. Flo Ash, thank you so much for having us. For myself, I'm 
pretty findable. It's LinkedIn, Google, if you ask the chatbot. Austin, do you have any information you want to share? Just Hinge at large, or are they the best, best places to follow? Yeah, we've got, I mean, our website, hingemarketing.com is constantly being updated with blog posts and original thought leadership. We're trying to, we're trying to be the leaders here in, <laughs> in terms of getting ahead of some of these ideas. So we've got webinars, all of it's open access. So anybody listening can check out our website, hingemarketing.com. You'll find all sorts of helpful content, hopefully for you and your profession. And yeah. certainly if you're professional services or, you know, folks looking to connect with professional services. Certainly do find us. We're happy to talk about it. We are as interested in helping the community develop and democratizing some of these tools as it is. I mean, transparently, it is good for our business. That's uh, we're professional services ourselves. So we have kind of built in empathy for some of these challenges that we're up against. Yeah. Again, there you have it. People sharing the expertise is how you grow the firm, right? We all say that probably to no end. Well, thank you so much, Austin and Carl. Um, Ash, if you don't have any more questions, I'll stop the recording here. Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us. 